Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Uh, In the Episcopal Church, we have different uh, holidays, different holy days, different days when we center our thoughts, our readings of Scripture. Chris, thank you for reading an entire chapter of the Bible for us today. Top marks. Thank you. Um, and, And today is one of those days. It's called Trinity Sunday. And it's, it's kind of great in a, in a way because it says, the rest of your life like caters to you to make it about you. And, you know, we always have this pressure to do the internal kiss of death and make everything about me. And I just feel like everybody, every church, every company is just kind of always marketing to me and pandering to me and, you know, acting as if I'm the most important person in the world. And Trinity Sunday is this real gift that the church gives us just to say, just for a moment, think about God. Just for a moment, like, you're good, you're fine, but just don't obsess over yourself all the time. Think about God for a moment. And that's what we have the opportunity to do today, is to actually take a moment and talk about God. Now, uh, a theologian who's been very influential in my life is named Karl Barth, and he says there's a danger here, though, because a lot of the times when we talk about God, if you examine our God talk, It's actually still about us, but it's just in capital letters. And that's a problem. (laughs) That's probably even worse. So we want to try to avoid that today. And here's where I want to begin. God is not God's name. That's the starting point. God is not God's name. 
Furthermore, when we use the word God in conversation, we have to be really precise about which God we're thinking about. Uh, I was on an airplane this week and it didn't happen anymore because I no longer wear my collar on the airplane because every time that I would like dress like a priest, these conversations would always come and I kind of got tired of that. So uh, every once in a while, a stranger will find out what I do for a living and it's like instantly, you know, the vibes change and they get awkward and then, you know, they very quickly tell me all the reasons why they don't believe in God. And I'm like, I'm I'm like, that's great for you. I'm good. I just want to get home. Um, <laughs> so, uh, when that happens, I've adopted some some sort of little stock response that says, "Right, right. Uh, let me let me guess. You don't believe in a capricious old man, always a man in the sky, ready to obliterate us if uh, if we do wrong and when we do wrong, because we're." It's inevitable that we will do wrong. But yet also in other conversations, this capricious old man in the sky says he really loves you. And, uh, you know, the, the whole point of being in relationship with this God who loves you yet is very willing to kill you for your sins. Um, you know, the point is that, you know, in your day-to-day life, this God needs to give you more freedom and more, you know, protection against other people, uh, and, and mansions. And if you can't get a mansion in this life, by God, I'm going to get one in the next. And, and, you know, his son is putting those carpentry skills together and putting, putting a mansion together for me in the sky. And, you know, if, if I don't do good, well, he's got a cave of torment for people like that. And, and they just kind of go, uh-huh, yeah, 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 that's, that's right. I don't, I don't believe in that God. And when they affirm that in the broad brushstrokes, I say, look, we can make this real short. If that's the kind of God that you say doesn't exist, let me just tell you, on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ, as a priest, we join you in saying that God is not real. We don't believe in that God either. I don't even know what God, what that God's name is. We don't affirm that God. I mask back on. Now, that's because the church bears witness to a much more interesting God. A God whose name is not God, but a God who actually when God opens up God's divine life to us, we get really surprised at what we see because we discover in the heart of this one God is actually three persons. And if you ask what this God's name is, the answer is pretty straightforward. We got it from Jesus in today's gospel text, for example. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth, which is a lot, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them. We did this last week. Xander and Isaac were baptized right there last week. And what we said to each of them was, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a fourth century bishop called Gregory, and in one of his uh, orations, number 38, he says, quote, when I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is God's name. We didn't create that name. We only know that is God's name because when God came to us in Jesus, Jesus said, yeah, that's God's name. Now, we make all kinds of weird assumptions about that. Um, you know, when you came in, you probably filled out a name tag and put your name on it and your pronouns. Well, the deal is, God is gender is just a 
construct of creation anyway. And so use whatever you know, pronouns you need to for this living God, because God is beyond uh, all, all pronouns and, and genders. And frankly, if you think God's pronouns must be a certain way, I think that's kind of a lesson we're trying to right-size these days. Don't presume you know what pronouns you ought to use with a person because of the way their name sounds to your ears. This God is a living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and this God has come to be personally known by us. And the reason we know this is because of these really weird stories in the Bible. Theologians call them Trinitarian theophanies. Now, use that at your next cocktail party and become the most interesting person (laughs) in the room. Uh, Todd, your thoughts on the latest Trinitarian theophany this week. Um, The the idea of a Trinitarian theophany is, is simply this. Jesus prays and the veil between heaven and earth gets pulled back a little bit. Jesus prays and we get a little glimpse inside of this mystery that is God. And when you look inside, you've realized that there is a communion or a community of persons. This is the way that the New Testament talks about God. The interior life of God dilates. It opens up. And when it opens up, we get a look to see who God truly is in the heart of God. For example, the Annunciation to Mary. Gabriel visits Mary and says, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Mary, and the baby will be God's son. You see how there's three? The Holy Spirit, the Most High, and the Son. Every time that God's life opens up, we're introduced to these two others. This is what's weird about this God. When Jesus comes to be baptized, like Isaac and Xander, Jesus is baptized and the spirit comes down on him like a dove. And the voice says, you are my beloved. You see, there's Jesus, the spirit, and the voice. Or on the transfiguration, Jesus is on the mountain and he starts glowing, (laughs) literally. And the spirit covers everyone like a cloud. And once again, the voice of the father says, this is my son. Listen to Jesus. Even on the crucifixion, Jesus says, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then it says he gives up his spirit. All of these really crucial moments in the life of Jesus Christ It's like the veil, just like a flower, it just opens up and there's these two others that are there. Even at the resurrection, the Bible says that if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, and that's pretty tight, but did you hear it? If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, and they are, then you will have life. All of these 
epiphanies, theophanies, these revelations into the interior life of God reveal one simple but profound mystery, that in the heart of God is a relationship. You open God up and you discover a profound community of persons with each other. What you get in the living God is a God who is with God. This is what's underneath the hood when the Bible says things like God is love. Even within the heart of God, the Father is loving the Son and is loving the Spirit. God is a communion of love. And this should be pretty good news for us because we all come in with pretty um, sometimes interesting half-baked ideas about who God is. What would happen if just for a day you put those ideas that you carry about God down for a moment and instead when you hear God and when you think God, you think about a communion of love, a community of being with each other. That might seriously change the way that you think about who this God is and what this God thinks about you because if God is a communion of love, what do you think God wants out of you? In other words, Jesus Christ in these crucial moments introduce us to two others, the one that he prayed to and called Father and the Spirit who came down on Jesus' body and moved him among us. Okay, now I can let you in on the story just a little bit. Think about all that we do in the name of this God. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the bishop's going to come in a few weeks and confirm people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We come to this altar and commune in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been worshiping in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's all of these crucial moments in the life of Jesus and in our church's common life where we invoke the name of the one God in three persons. And when we do, we discover that we are being drawn into the very life of God. Now, if God is not actually Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're doing some weird stuff, right? Like, so when we baptized Isaac and Xander, or when we baptized you, we didn't baptize them in the name of Holy Family. And we sure as heck didn't baptize them in the name of the one who was baptizing them. Why? Well, those names aren't going to get you very far. There is no power in the name of Holy Family. There's no power in the name of the Episcopal Church. There's certainly no power in my name. That's not going to help you. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because this is the living God. And if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not God, who are we baptizing people into? Why are we communing in that name? Why are we blessing in that name? Why are we praying in that name? See, the ideas about God being triune, this is not just weird theological abracadabra. We're talking about the actual living God 
who is truly blessing you, baptizing you, answering your prayers, filling you with hope when life is really, really hard, giving you joy when you don't have very many reasons for it, transforming water into spirit-filled fonts, transforming bread and wine into body and blood, transforming a group of randos into a community of love. This is what the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is doing. Jason Bias, he writes that the Trinity tells us a story about the true God who is involved in our lives. The God who is actually saving us. Now, how is Jesus who is saving us also God without there being two? Nobody knows, and anybody that tells you they know just needs to think about it longer because they don't. But we know Jesus has to be God in order to save us. The true God is poured out into our lives in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is incorporating you, grafting you, drawing you into the very life of God. That's what's so bizarre about this mystery. It's not some mystery out there that you like look at and contemplate from a distance. It's a mystery that has come to meet you and say, right this way, come on, a little further, a little further, and you get drawn into the life of God. Thinking deeply about this interior life of God has changed the way that I pray. There are parts of the Christian life that come easier to everybody than others, and I don't know what parts of the Christian life come easy to you. Uh, prayer has not necessarily been one that has been easy for me. I always kind of feel like a poser. I always feel like other people are better at prayer than I am. Um, but this has actually really helped me feel like, okay, well maybe I actually know what I'm doing when I pray. Prayer, I have learned, is not something that I do. Prayer is something that God does. Think about it this way. Prayer is the language of the Trinity. When the Father speaks with the Son and the Spirit, that conversation is prayer. So before you and I ever utter a prayer, God is the one who is praying. So what happens is Jesus is constantly praying to the Father and the Spirit is praying. So when you begin to pray, what happens is, according to the New Testament, the Spirit comes and takes your prayers and gently and lovingly brings them into God's pre-existing conversation. Your prayers get carefully and lovingly engrafted into God's own prayer life. God brings your prayers into God's own conversation. When you pray, the Holy Spirit incorporates you and brings you into the very life of the Trinity. And in so doing, you become even more like the Son. There are times when church professionals like me have turned doctrines into abstract ideas for esoteric nerds, and that's a problem because that's not really what this stuff is about. We're talking about the things that matter most, these ever-deepening mysteries where the living God is actually drawing us closer into the heart of God. So think about that today when we gather around the waters of baptism and you pray. 
What's happening is the Spirit is coming and taking your prayers and putting them into the heart of God, into a pre-existing conversation. Thus, the churches talk about Trinity as our attempt at talking about how God is with God and how we can be with each other. The Trinity is us discovering that the heart of God is a relationship. And if the heart of God is relationship, then here's the good news. The only thing that God wants out of you is to be with you. And that is pretty good news because basically everybody else in your life eventually wants something from you, right? I mean, all we know are power plays. Oh, sure, I'll help you out right now. And I might not say it to you, but I keep a score, yeah? This is why, don't you hate it when somebody gives you a gift? You think, oh, thanks. Now I know that, you know, I owe you one. That's not how this God works. This God just says, come be with me. Enter into our pre-existing with. My dear sisters, brothers, and siblings, as simply as I know how to tell you, the Trinity is the eternal God with God who has decided to be God with you. And the Trinity is the God with God who has determined never to be other than to be God with you in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.